It's very cozy. Very nice. It, wait, where are you guys? We're, we're in, in LA. We're in LA. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Bustle You're LA. not like, I for whatever reason I was thinking you were in New York. Mm, no. But I guess not at this hour. You wouldn't be podcasting it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know those crazy New Yorkers. They never sleep. You know. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, well, thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, yeah. No. Thanks yeah, for, thank coming. for coming. I'm very excited. I enjoyed watching this. Uh, well, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's just let's let's just hop into this. Uh, I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And this is Hot Guys. Authentic knowledge and feelings. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. You want a little cliff that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like. Ooh. But I'm really not funny. No, no. And we shouldn't have a podcast. What? And we are very excited uh, for our guest today. He is a comedian, a writer, and you may know him from his podcast, Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period. Uh, it's Kevin Avery. Wow. That just rolled right off the tongue <laughs> with no hesitation. I'm, I can't get it out that way. That's, that's impressive. Do you, have really... like a, do you have like a abbreviation that you go for? or I've seen well, it typed out as an abbreviation, but... Yeah. Written, it's D-W-I... T G A O A. I've I lost it. it of all time, ATP. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was almost there. Uh, but yeah, I don't just go spewing that out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's it's fun to have someone else who's done like a kind of similar thing, you know? Because yeah. you you guys did what like maybe. I mean, Denzel Washington has like 70 movies or something. I mean, a lot. I, yeah, probably in that, in the, that neighborhood. 71, if you count, uh, what's his new one? All the, the or the little, oh, the little, little things. things. Yeah. 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 I haven't watched it yet. I haven't had a, a chance, but uh, are, now are you big Denzel fans? I, I, yeah. I'm yeah. A we, fan of we like Denzel. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not. I don't think they're not crazy about him the way you are about Ethan Hawke. Well, I don't think I mean, now we're crazy about Ethan Hawke after devoting two plus years of our lives <laughs> yeah. to him. You know, right, right. we have to be. Um, but sure. I, I I, don't think we really were at the beginning. Yeah, we just we we just he was just an actor. We had happened to see in a lot of his movies. Right. Um, but yeah, but we came to love Ethan Hawke. Uh, you know, I'll. I don't. I still don't know how we feel about Ethan Hawke. Just the guy. I don't know him. Obviously, <laughs> uh, the actor. You know, brilliant actor. Um, I will say though, I was very. I got very into an Ethan. I know you've already talked about. You must have talked about this movie already. Um, is it before Sunset? There's three. There's three. The but second one. The second them. one is before yeah. Sunset. Yeah. And then the third one's before midnight. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're all before, right? Okay, yeah. so before, so I had never seen before sunrise, 
And I went and I saw Before Sunset because I was going to see a movie. I think it's called After the Sunset with uh, Greg with, Kinnear. Uh, oh, and, yeah, yeah, I think Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, like it's a like heist a heist movie. movie. Yeah, I remember that movie, yeah. Let me tell you, <laughs> I show up at the theater and it opens up in this quaint little, I think it's a French, I think it's in France, mm -hmm. this little town um, at a bookstore. Yeah. And an Ethan Hawke is giving, like is doing a talk, is giving a book signing or whatever. And I'm like, oh wow, Ethan Hawke has a cameo in this. <laughs> and then he keeps going. And and I mean they're still in the bookstore after like I don't know maybe it's five to, what give or take, and I'm like that is a this is a long cameo, <laughs> and then he's leaving the bookstore he's just walking around I'm like when does Pierce Brosnan show up, <laughs> and like halfway through this movie I'm like, are they gonna get to the heist at all like it was the strangest thing but I so fell in love with that movie, like I was I was absolutely captivated by both it's Julie Delpy mm -hmm. isn't it. And Ethan Hawke, yeah. So I that was my first real. Um, I mean, I obviously I I I know who Ethan Hawke is and been exposed to him, but that was sort of my real investment in what uh, like his performance. Uh, that and um, uh, uh, Training Day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But uh, yeah, so this was fun to watch. This uh, have you it since was, seen after the sunset? <laughs> no, I've never seen no. You've never no, seen I, it? <laughs> I think I bought it uh, back when I was buying DVDs. I think I, I found the DVD and I bought that and I have yet to watch. It's probably still in the like the plastic wrapping <laughs> somewhere. Well, um, but I should watch and I've never seen I never went back and watched Before Sunrise and I never I never saw uh, Before Midnight mm -hmm. when that came out. And didn't that have like, am I crazy or did it have Chris Rock in it? No, so that's, that's two days in New York, which is actually oh. a very similar, a similar premise. Kind of, yeah. It's with Julie Delpy, <laughs> right? Right. Okay. And that's like the sequel to Two Days in Paris, which is like basically uh, uh, before Sunset. If she was with uh, what's his name Goldberg, Adam. Adam. Yeah, Adam Goldberg, who's also okay. actually has a cameo in Before Sunrise. So mm. it's all connected. Does wow. he? Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not crazy. Yeah, he's um he's one of the very first people you see in Before Sunrise. Actually, he's like asleep on the train, and that's it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. And the whole thing takes place on a train. No, Before, Before Sunrise, sunrise oh. they're on a train in the beginning, and he convinces her. This is like so horrifying as a, a woman. Like he convinces her to go to a second location with him <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> to, to get boy. off the train and walk around Vienna with him. Sure. Yeah. But it starts well, with the go. train and ends with the train. Yes. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, one day I'll see those. But. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I kind of imagine, I mean, that that's a nice experience to have just seen before sunset, which is most people's favorite of the trilogy. And you don't have to, yeah, it is. And you don't have to think too much about what happens to them later mm -hmm. or about the, you know, disturbing way in which they, you know, came together in the first one. Well, yeah, now that I think of it, because I would have just assumed that, like, having seen them all, I would have assumed that the natural place to start would be, if you were to only watch one, would be the first one. Mm -hmm. But maybe yeah. the second one is, is if you're if you're just going to watch one. Yeah, if you're just going to watch one. Maybe the second one. one, there's a case to be made for that. Mm -hmm. It's, 
It is well. I don't know where it falls in terms of which is the best one, um, just as a film. But I will say it's very self-contained. Like I dropped into it, just right into it, not knowing anything about the previous one, fully fully expecting this to be a different movie altogether. <laughs> yeah, and, and completely got what was happening, the backstory, everything, and uh, and really, and I really enjoyed. It. Like I was pulled into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big sap. I'm a, I'm kind of a big romantic, and so that stuff, that it, everything, just sort of got me right where I where I live. So I enjoyed that a lot. Totally. Well, cool. So you have Before Sunset. You have Training Day. Are there any other big Ethan Hawke movies? Well, Magnificent Seven, I guess. Uh, that yeah, I like that one. Um, I mean, uh, you know what else it was uh, was big. For me, with with uh, Ethan Hawke was um, well, I'm I'm blanking on the damn movie now. Um, where they're all in the school? Oh, Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because I, you know, it was a thing when it came out, and uh, <laughs> I re- I remember seeing that in the movie theater, probably at a particularly weird time in my life, mm-hmm. and. Um, so it just I, I mean i think it resonated with everybody mm-hmm. but um yeah that might have been my first big ethan hawk, like oh this guy kind of experience my that might have been my real introduction to ethan hawk even though i feel like i feel like it was probably most people's because it was yeah, only it was his, his second, second movie. movie so was it what was the one what was before that? explorers it was like a kind of like et-esque uh story with like where he's a kid and it's with uh river phoenix as well I wonder. I I think I remember that, but I don't. I don't know if I saw it. But there was like a long gap between the two, like probably the longest like of his career. Five years. Oh, okay. So not that long. Yeah. But substantial for him anyway. Yeah. Because he's just yeah. Been working yeah, cause so he's ever so since. prolific. It's insane. That's a long time. Five years is a long time to not make a movie. But if he was a kid, he was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Explorers. He, he was yeah. like thirteen, and then he did Dead Poet Society when he was eighteen. And he was just like he took off high school to be like a normal kid, and then right, right. got back into it. Mm-hmm. Explorer sounds like it would be my kind of like if when I was a kid, that sounds like I'd be. That sounds right down Kevin Avery Lane. <laughs> but I, for whatever reason, I never, I never actually watched it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a fun, goofy yeah. kind yeah. of. It's just like a fun kids cult movie. sci-fi kids movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit of yeehaw to it, I'm sure. It sounds like that. There's probably lots of running and jumping and screaming. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. A, they go down a, on like a, a long slide. And we gotta get out of here. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. really? <laughs> oh man, that does sound fun. Maybe I'll turn that on tonight. Nice. Um. So yeah. So now it's 2020. I mean, you know that mm. we have the good Lord Bird. Um. Yeah. Ethan Hawke's come a long way since Dead Poets Society, and he's playing John Brown. <laughs> uh it's it's a very um different kind of role for him so how what was your like response to seeing him uh play this character well it this feels like it's not that different from him because i mean you brought up different for him did you because you brought up the um magnificent seven Mm -hmm. they felt similar and i don't mean well he's just doing the same thing but i it it you know what maybe it's because they're both westerns but there just seemed to be 
this um something about this character he, he this is this is a disturbed man in mm-hmm. in uh the good lord bird and i feel like he there was a lot of that or some of that in the magnificent seven mm-hmm. so this didn't feel like a shock like whoa what's ethan hawk doing here um i swear i keep wanting to call him ethan hunt <laughs> and I, I'm a, I'm a big Mission Impossible fan, um, Me too. but uh, so this is interesting. So now I didn't, I wasn't in love with this show. So I watched. We're talking about episode three. I was mm-hmm. like, I can't. I'm not just dropping in. This isn't. This isn't before sunset, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> I had to. So I was like, let me just watch one and two, and I wasn't sure out of the gate how much I love the show or him. I was like, who is this? Why is he, why is he doing this? Why did he make this show? Why are we watching <laughs> this guy rescue Slate? Like, I was just like, Oh God, really? And so, and the show, the show kind of sets it up when they, they say, yeah, some people didn't like him because they, they thought he was like some white savior or whatever. Like they, they get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. They literally get ahead of it right away. It's like one of the second or third lines. Um, and so, but I was still like, all right, grumble, grumble. And I've started to like the show more and more with each episode, Mm -hmm. but it still feels weird. Um, and he is, I, I mean, he, he's just completely immersed in this character, which is kind of fun to watch. And, um, I think maybe my favorite moment with him was when Onion has, when all hell's breaking loose, right? Like uh, during the, whatever, the hanging. And and he shows up again. We haven't seen him, I think, through most of the... Oh, God, no, that's the second episode. Yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah. Um, but still, that's been my favorite moment with him. When he kind of, sh- we haven't seen him for a while, and then he shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, and maybe it's just because of the way the story was constructed. I was like, oh, he's back. And it was kind of <laughs> cool to just kind of drop in, in it. But, um, yeah, I, I like what he's doing. Um, I'm still trying to reconcile how much I love the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely complicated. And I will say that I think the thing that makes you that for me I felt like I got really sucked into the show it's like the relationship between John Brown and Onion there's Mm -hmm. something about that even though you know of course their relationship is very complicated as well because you know Onion is um you know had to watch his own father die uh essentially because of John Brown and then was like forced because he had no other option to become a part of his group you know um but there's something ab- about them that's very compelling. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, wait. So now you, uh, you've watched the whole series. Yeah. Um. And you have, you know, all the cast, right? You're familiar with all mm-hmm. the cast. I still have not looked. I go back and forth <laughs> on whether or not an actual girl is playing Onion. 
Oh, no. Did you, did you, and I refused to look, I kept like, let me just look at <laughs> do. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it. I'm going to just watch this and figure it out. I think now I'm leaning towards it's a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'm like, but I keep going back and forth. Like, I don't know. Do you, would you like to know? Well, I think it's a guy. Yeah. His name yeah. is Joshua Caleb Johnson. He's very... He's very talented and he interacts with us quite a bit on Instagram and we love that. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Well, he is nailing it. Yeah. Uh, Tell him I said that. Um, Yeah. I just could because he, here's the thing. He looks like at least one woman I know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and another woman I don't know. And so I'm like, well, I could go either, either way, but um, I see, I, I the thing that I find the relationship I find most compelling in this show is his relationship with Bob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I'm like, what are these two guys going to be up to? You know, like the, I I find that that's been you know the really fascinating point for me uh, up till now. But I did. I will tell you this about this episode three. I really enjoyed. Um, this little adventure that they went on with went on their own. That was mm-hmm. very fun to watch. Yeah. And, and John Brown just kind of taken off from everybody and, and doing that I thought was very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the episode. Um, so this one is uh, really all about uh, John Brown and onion going to New York to see Frederick Douglass as played right. by David Diggs. Yep. That was a surprise. I, I was not <laughs> expecting him to be Frederick Douglass. Yeah, I think he did a great job. It was very fun to watch him play this. Um, you know, of course, you know, he's like a, such a great, uh, David Diggs is such a great like writer and rapper. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, him playing Frederick Douglass, he like d- he plays this like great orator very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And also his, you know, his relationship with his two wives is very, um, you know, fun. That w- Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things about him. I felt like, have you seen Hamilton? Yeah. I felt like this was the third, his third character in Hamilton. Like <laughs> I, I just, to me, it, it felt so nat. Like once I saw that it was him, I was like, of course. And then, and watching his performance, I was like, he fits in, he does this really, really well. And um, so it, it it was almost seamless. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. oh, so after, <laughs> after he plays, um, what's his, Jefferson, mm-hmm. he's on to Frederick Douglass. Like it just, it just felt so natural and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it, but here's the thing there was something that sort of took me out of it and it, it was how wacky his character got. And I don't think that was on his performance. I think his performance was entertaining throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. But um, at some point of the entire episode, but at some point it seemed like it didn't totally fit with the rest of the, what the show is with the tone of the show. Mm-hmm. It's like that whole thing with him and and uh, Onion in the the library where they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt so. It was very funny. It was very you know entertaining, but it did it did feel sillier. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. than the rest of the show. Am I? Do you? Do you know? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Totally. Like I would describe this episode as fun in a way that I would not describe any other episode of this show as fun. You know what I mean? Because yeah, especially coming off the last episode. Yeah. Which is so dark. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's what it was. Is that this whole episode was was like because. One thing, Ethan Hawke was really funny when he kept interrupting Frederick Douglass's speeches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's probably my favorite moment. The funniest moment was when he, um, he's, the fireworks go off. Frederick Douglass is giving his speech. The fireworks go off in the background and John Brown pulls his gun out and it's just sort of like aimlessly walking around like he doesn't know who to aim at or what's going on and frederick douglas has to yell at him from the pulpit so like just go over there go over there god idiot like that (laughs) i thought that was very very funny and i really enjoyed that Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it was kind of shows their like kind of different uh experiences that they've had because he has because john brown has this kind of like he wants to engage with it and frederick douglas is kind of like trying to give like a speech that he wants people to listen to right and they have they kind of have different kind of experiences and that's kind of i think that's kind of what that scene shows and also like the fireworks like he's just so un- not used to that that he yeah. would respond that way well john brown is from is you know from the church the church mm-hmm. where <laughs> that's that's what people do they just you know and i'm sure frederick douglas had the same experiences but as an orator yeah he's used to being the dominant voice there and just and people are just listening and and so yeah for him to, just to jump in there was very funny yeah i'm also very into your guys's notebook game i can see <laughs> I don't know, if this is if this is, is this only audio this yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast wow i sound like a 500 year old man <laughs> i sound like john brown is this <laughs> this audio is this on the what on the anyway hi-fi um yeah i can through the zoom of course i'm looking at your notebooks and they're both they're very different each they're different but they're very they feel old school yeah i got this um yeah this is a, a hufflepuff <laughs> notebook that i believe someone got for me <laughs> Uh, but if it's face down, it just looks like a nice yellow leather notebook. Sure. Yeah, mine yeah. is just a plain moleskin. It doesn't have any kind of fun okay. things on it. But yeah, this was also a gift. So mm, yeah, I am a collector of notebooks, and I have both. I have a, a classic black moleskin. I also have. I don't have a Hufflepuff. Are you Hufflepuff? I I, I do feel that I am. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It it matches what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Um. I I have a Gryffindor notebook nice well so yeah i I think he's a gryffindor yeah have you two taken the test uh i've (laughs) taken a test yeah um i don't know people just say that i am i guess yeah i have taken the test i did get hufflepuff okay yeah all right now just quickly i know this is off topic but how do you feel how did you feel about that about about getting hufflepuff yeah do you are you did you have any you know where you some people are annoyed would be annoyed by that or be pissed if they got slytherin for what or mm-hmm. you know whatever but. no i feel i feel good about it i feel like I, that's um you know i'm i'm like a nice person i feel like that's a weird thing to say about myself but i like i feel like that's like one of my you know my top qualities is that sure. i'm just like i'm like really nice uh, I love it. <laughs> so yeah. i feel like it makes sense it feels right um, you know, like if I don't know if you've seen Divergent, but I also feel like I would be an Amity. 
okay. I literally was just thinking about that. I was like, so wow, does what? How does that line up with all the Divergent ones? It's Amity. It's Erudite is like Ravenclaw. Erudite. Uh, yeah. I don't even. Okay. And then what's the? What's the? Are there only three of them or four? There's five in Divergent. Five? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Abnegation mm. is like the you know like the giving one. They're very selfless, and. Um, Dauntless is like Gryffindor, basically, and Candor, that's the other one. They they only speak the truth. I thought the Dauntless people were like the Slytherins. No, they're like f- the fearless ones. So I guess that's not exactly the same uh, as being brave, but basically, yeah, they do yeah. like the crazy, you know, stunts. Right. They all, they jumped off the train mm-hmm. or they, they jump off or on the train. I don't know, but I, I, tr- <laughs> I gave it a shot with those movies and I was like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't even finish them, so... Yeah, even they were like, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> they were like, let's move on. Let's they move got on. such anyway. big people in all of them, though. It was so upsetting. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. No, that's go down fine. Fantasy I'm, lane I'm with... always happy to talk about, you know, young adult fantasy. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is this is not a derailment for Harper. This is... Oh, OK. All right. But this, this is my is, natural this mode. This is what she wants to happen. Yeah. Right in your lane. OK. Has Ethan Hawke done one of these t- aside from Explorers? Has he done a proper fantasy? What am I, British? A proper fantasy? <laughs> a proper fantasy. Well, he's done, he's been a vampire. Oh, yeah. He's been a time traveler. <laughs> what? Yeah. When did, he, when did he do all this? Uh, in 2009 and 2014. <laughs> he was in Daybreakers. Um, he was a vampire in Daybreakers. Oh, yeah. That, yes, that and- I vaguely remember that yeah and then he was also in predestination which is a very interesting movie they're actually both by the same directors the spirit brothers directed both of those movies predestination i don't don't know i gotta go look that up now yeah definitely i love time travel so yeah it's the ethan hawk movie that i find recommending the most often because it's just like such a weird one and it's but it's good it's weird and it's good yeah Hmm. all right I'll, i'll check that out but yeah, no, and he's gonna be in a Marvel show in 2022, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's it's it's moon. Is it Moon Knight? Yeah, yeah. I'm very. I'm a big Marvel person, so nice. I'm, I'm very excited about whatever whatever they spew out next. I'm just I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll be watching that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we haven't watched Wandavision yet, but I would like to watch that too. <clears throat> oh, it's great. Get on board. Yeah. Anyway, so back to yes. yeah. So to... yes, Frederick Douglass has a, two wives or a wife and a mistress, but they're essentially his wives, yeah. um, Anna and Otilia. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, there are some pretty there are some differences between the two of them. They have they clearly have different beliefs about uh, like how he should be handling abolition. <laughs> you know, sure. Um, sure. And in different relationships with John Brown, because when he comes to visit, you know, Anna is very excited, happy to see him and is like, you know, go support John Brown and his efforts. And Atelier right. is like, get him out of our house. Yeah. 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 I don't for here's I kept getting hung up on how real and accurate this was because I didn't know that about Frederick Douglass, that he mm-hmm. Douglass, that he had two wives. Um, I. I think I mentioned in our when we were emailing, I played Frederick Douglass um, in a, a fifth grade class project. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to brag, and um, and 
yeah, as uh, whatever, an 11, 12-year-old, however old you are in the fifth grade, I don't remember coming across his two wives. That was probably not a thing I was spewing out as a <laughs> to the rest of the class. Yeah. And he was married to two ladies. <laughs> so do with that what you will. Um, so, yeah, watching this, I was like, what? Um, and so I, it was hard to... I kept finding myself going, okay, what's going on with Frederick Douglass? Like, is this real? Are they sort of playing around with history here? Um, what's because it was also comical. And the, the, the relationships, the difference in the relationships you're talking about, they really did play them for comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, literally one running in right after the other and saying the opposite thing and him having to do... It was so silly that I was almost like, why are they doing this to Frederick Douglass? Like... <laughs> what's what's happening <laughs> yeah you know mm-hmm. and i needed to pause and find out if it was true of course i did not because i'm i think comfortable on the couch and watching but jonathan <laughs> may be googling it right now oh i do that. think it's Bone true, all lit up. it is true yes yeah uh well I mean, it's, based... it's not surprising that he actually had two wives yeah, yeah. i don't know well, that... he had like one they weren't like obviously not actually married to two yeah. people but um mm-hmm. but he did have a, a this relationship with two women and okay. it's assumed that they had like a that it was like a romantic thing it's it's not like it's there's no proof but the it, the implication is very strong that 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 they, he did have this kind of three person thing going on and In she wanted him that- to uh to to run away with him to Europe, uh, run away with her to Europe, and uh, and she kept thinking that that was going to happen, but he he was pretty committed to yeah not to staying in America basically. Wait, which who who wanted him to run away? Uh, Otilia. 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 That's her name, or Otilian. Oh, I'm not sure. I thought it was Otilia. That's what I wrote down, well, but I could have just heard saying that. It is, however you're saying it is the right way. I just <laughs> didn't remember the name, and I was could I was trying to remember. I couldn't hear what you said um if you landed on the end or not um but yeah i thought that was interesting too and also uh, another thing that was like okay wait is this real is the fact that one of them is white and one of them is black and i was like what is happening uh, because they you know with history it's it's funny you you can go back and forth and hear like like they show up in new york where they rochester and it it seems like just heaven like it's mm-hmm. a it's a utopia mm-hmm. right yeah people black people are free and just hanging out they're all wearing you know felt and in velour <laughs> or whatever the fabric of the day was and having a great time and then sometimes you hear well no the the north wasn't really that much nicer for right. black people at the, yeah at the time, you know so it's sort of like which was it and uh, so it was bonkers for me to see this and then like and then look up and be like and see him with these two in this relationship with these two women and one of them is white and um, and also all of the I thought it was very interesting that when he was speaking, most of the people in the audience were white. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very I was like, oh, this is like a Kanye concert. But like, <laughs> there's a lot of white people in here watching this black guy speak. And 
and so I, I thought that was very interesting um, that they that they did that. Um, there were just lots yeah. of surprises for me in this. That's something that's kind of addressed in the next episode, in episode four, um, mm-hmm. because um, uh, in in that one, Ethan uh, John Brown he starts you know speaking more, doing public you know public speaking, and mm-hmm. um, he's mostly speaking to white audiences. And from Onion's perspective, we get some like narration where he's like he's talking about how you know. Uh, you know, John Brown is only talking to these white people, and there are two black people here: me and this guy that's working here, and we both know mm. not to talk. You know. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I do enjoy Onion's point of view through the whole thing, mm-hmm. like seeing it through his eyes, and and the narration. I I enjoy that. And I got. I know we're not talking about this episode, but going back to the second episode, that scene where they are basically having the trial for um i forgot her name now but one of the slaves sabonia Uh, yeah her her, that actress's performance you just need to give her all the awards because it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing yeah um and onions amazing i mean just the that just that scene and the and where everyone is how they have it set up and the interplay between onion and what's her name sabonia sabonia and then the preacher um oh man it's so it's just rich yeah it's a a very rich scene but um yeah to so going back to episode three though um just all of just watching everything through onions pov is is kind of is very interesting and um and I think this was probably the the episode I enjoyed Ethan Hawke's performance the most, mm-hmm. or maybe, yeah, his characterization of, of John Brown because I really like I almost forgot about this, but the train scene, mm. I really like the train, and maybe that's yeah. just like I enjoyed watching the hero do his thing, um, you know, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, I did. Um... I, I did like when just like the the fear that he inspires in people like yeah. it's it's yeah. very palpable yeah 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 that moment well that's uh, you know who that is that's john brown and that's john brown that's <laughs> i also do love it it's that in the age of social media that i it's i think i think sometimes it's, it's easy for filmmakers to forget they're not supposed to know what these people all look like mm-hmm because there's no their pictures aren't all over the place obviously. And yeah. so I love that that when those moments of like discovery happen this guy on the train is just talking to this dude and suddenly he's like, "Oh, you're John." He doesn't know what John Brown looks like, but he knows who John Brown is. Yeah. And, yeah. And now he's in his face and I thought that was really fun. Yeah. One thing Ethan Hawke has talked about in the interviews about this cuz I've watched every single interview he's done since October. Um but like uh, he's the the beard that he has in the show. He talks yeah. about how he he has it because um, John Brown grew a beard. He like most of the time he didn't actually have the beard, but he grew it because all of the the like fo- the pictures of him, the drawings of him that were circulating, he didn't have a beard, so he grew it out oh. so that he wouldn't be as easily recognized. Of oh, course, that, he grew out this very distinctive beard. Right, right. But... I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Also. Here's a crazy show. I mean, like, just a funny little... I keep wanting to call everything fun, and I have got to get away from that. Um, And I caught myself 
and then I change it to funny. <laughs> uh, what, are you, what are you doing, Kevin? But when they sit down to eat at Frederick Douglass's house, oh, yeah. and he <laughs> uses the fork to comb his beard, yeah. I was both grossed out, but uh, like thoroughly entertained by that that choice yeah. yeah, for him to do that. Yeah, that's such an Ethan Hawke. I feel like I don't know. He's he just he likes to he likes to play. You know, mm-hmm. he just likes to <laughs> be be his characters in the in the most the most he, does, he can. I do feel like he's a guy who sinks himself into that character, whatever characters he's playing. He's playing as uh, that character as much as possible. Like I, he's just fully immersed. I never don't believe him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been reading he he just had a novel come out, so I've been reading it. And mm-hmm. um it, the character's essentially him. And he talks about he's playing Hotspur in Henry the 4th and um just about like describing the way that he gets into the character. Like the character is getting into a fight, so he just gets like fully blind with rage and just like embodies the character so much and the way that he describes it is like very intense and i do believe that's just kind of how he does it every time yeah wow now i want to read that book so yeah but yeah let's talk about that dinner scene it's um it's an intense it's an intense scene for sure um first i mean the first at the beginning it's funny with like the fork and the beard and then also we know ethan hawk's about to go to start saying grace Mm -hmm. and then oh uh, yeah and then Frederick Douglass quickly stops that and like, let's have the girl do it, you know, yeah, yeah. for her education. Um, and Onion does like a kind of goofy, brief, brief grace. Yeah. Um, uh, but then it uh, it gets into the whole conversation of needing funds and support for the war that John Brown yeah. is about to start. Yeah. And um, and I wrote down a few lines from this that I thought were pretty powerful. Um, so John Brown says the slave needs freedom. He doesn't care how. And then David Diggs like gets really close to him and says like, so you know what the slave needs. And it's, mm. I, I thought this was like really important because you know, the whole, the first couple episodes we've just seen John Brown and his direct circle, right? The people that are following him and fighting with him. But yeah, now yeah. we're seeing like people that, are also seeing the big picture of you know how how they want to tackle abolition, but um, but don't necessarily agree with him and 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 do you know come up against him mm-hmm. because yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this was this I I really liked this scene and the moment kind of snuck up on me because I to go back to. Uh, the prayer scene again it's there's so much comedy in this mm-hmm. and <clears throat> whether that's good or bad for the you know whatever but the, i i still enjoyed it and i love that prayer scene i think i kept rewinding it because i wanted to make sure every what was actually what i was really seeing like every sort of beat that was going on and um uh i it was so perfect how he kept trying to start saying grace and they were like, no, 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 she's fine. Mm -hmm. Give her a chance. Like that was just all those little, little like micro moments were very funny. But um, the debate at the table 
was particularly great. And I wonder if I, I think it was a little bit of relief for anyone watching with because it's a, it is a white savior show mm-hmm. at the at least thus far. I've I haven't watched past uh, episode three, um, but it and it's aware of it just the, just by the very nature of what it is. Right. But I think moments like this. I think they're at least doing right by the issue and the idea behind it by putting this guy in his place and being like, you know, yeah, you know what they need. And, and Frederick Douglass challenging him on that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, was really great because otherwise if he's just this unchecked hero, you know, roving the, hills of of the south uh in the name of the slave it just gets it can get super tedious mm-hmm. and uh and kind of exhausting and i and i just felt like this discussion that they were having this debate it just it also felt very relevant to today Re- what did i say relevant relevant <laughs> man I, what happened to me today <laughs> like i'm just i haven't been drinking even um, but, uh, yeah, it, it felt very relevant, you know, uh, to, to today. And so, um, but I just like that this was a moment that sort of put this character in check and made him think about, you know, like, no, this isn't your, you don't get to just own this mm-hmm. and decide right. what everyone needs and everyone wants without really knowing and understanding what's happening, what's behind it all. Yeah. Yeah. And beyond that, I think also like uh, Frederick Douglass was a sort of eminently practical person and he wanted to know like if if people are going to die for this, is it going to yield a positive result? And yeah. John Brown was so led by his like uh, zealous belief in what he was doing that he wouldn't always be wouldn't necessarily think everything through. He would just be like, oh, God is going to make this work for me. Whereas mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass is more like, you know, if we're going to do something, let's make sure that this is going to have a, a net positive impact, basically. And he yeah. was he was not uh, not impressed with, uh, with the lack of detail that John Brown provides him. And, well, he doesn't even have a plan. Yeah. Like there is no I cuz I kept watching this wondering yeah, where is this money what's what am what did I miss what's what is he planning to do with all this money like uh so Frederick Douglass is definitely right to question it but mm-hmm. um you know I don't know maybe there's a method to John Brown's madness and that is to be revealed but uh up till now he's yeah he's a guy that clearly just flies by the seat of his pants and um that's something you both enjoy watching on the show, but also you're like, you're bringing people into this mm-hmm. and yeah, you need to have, you need to kind of know what you're doing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does have, he does have a plan that he, mm-hmm. he later, she shares with, uh, Frederick Douglass and in this one scene, that's pretty fun where they have all these maps and they're trying to lay, lay them yes. down. And then Onion brings in the lemonade. I actually watched a um, like a variety uh, interview with like the cast and the director. 
um, uh-huh. about this episode. And uh, the director, she was talking about uh, Darnell. I forget her last name, but she was talking about um, the way that they did this scene was like like mostly improv. But she kind of gave everyone d- slightly different directions so that they would keep like running into <laughs> each other. Um, and oh, that's yeah, so and I think that was I think that was really clever, and it was just kind of a fun interlude. Yeah, I, I enjoyed fun. that bit. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I can't. Something's happened in my vocabulary. Vocab. <laughs> I can't even speak. It has been the longest day, guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I. You know, I just that scene made me nervous because I was like, please, I don't want this to end with him spilling the lemonade. Um, <laughs> but then, I, I just love. I love that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and. And I like these very serious characters doing this just classically goofy. It, this is not a new bit. Like, I, right. you know, we've kind of seen this bit, but there's something very new with it in the hands of these two actors and these two characters, three characters, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a, it's such a great moment. And again, though, I keep, I was I kept going back to is this too silly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, this, is this too silly? But I I just you know, I hadn't thought of it the way you guys did that this is a comedic episode all around. And I think it's cuz cuz the last episode was so dark. Yeah. That it was very hard for me to just go, "Oh, yeah, all right. I got what they're doing here." Cuz it was just it was so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think it is interesting because, you know, Frederick Douglass is uh I mean, rightly so, one of the most sort of revered people uh, in our country ever. And it is kind of, it was kind of fun to see like a different, a less kind of reverent take on him, a more kind of, uh, I don't know, per- more personal, personalized kind of yeah idea of him. Like he ha- he has his own, he has his own ego. He has his own vanity. He has his own flaws and things like that. Mm-hmm. and it's and but then also he has these moments that that we all know frederick Douglass for which is like his incredible uh conviction and his oratorical skills and all of those things and to yeah. see both of those play out in this episode i think was kind of an interesting uh, obviously like the kind of more uh fun side of him is is filled in using some level of imagination because it's this stuff that we wouldn't really know about from the record yeah um but it is kind of interesting to see that yeah well and you know it doesn't work unless john brown is equally sort of silly right right Mm -hmm. so i i thought they balanced that out well with with all of them even onion i mean you know that was (laughs) onion just becoming this alcoholic is frankly kind of weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I have to be honest. I'm just like, what is this? Stay away from the drink, son. But um, but the three of them sort of sharing, you know, being equally comedic, I think makes it where if it would had only been if they just drop down and that's another expression I keep throwing out for some reason, drop down or drop in. <laughs> um, but if they had just like shown up in this guy's world and he's the only one that's kind of wacky and has this right, sort of right, odd right. life and these odd relationships. I don't think it worked. I don't think it would work. But yeah, John Brown being just as sort of goofy and and silly, I think that it it plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there was an interview in Vulture with David Diggs where he was talking about playing Frederick Douglass, and he said that he had actually been asked to play Frederick Douglass se- several times before for different projects, and he'd always what? turned it down. And oh, wow. this is the first time he agreed to do it because he <clears throat> he liked the way that it wasn't just like you know like reverent like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know that there yeah. was something you know kind of like he wasn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and. Yeah. And uh, and that's why he signed on to do this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're an actor, that's that role is the dream. Yeah, to be able to subvert some idea of this, because honestly, I don't know the first thing about Frederick Douglass as a human right. person, mm-hmm. and I don't think a lot of us do because we do have an image of who this guy is. And um, just from what we've read or, or, or seen, and it's kind of one note. And so this was, I think this was really interesting. And I think it was in the perfect hands to, to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Cause he walks that line between, especially in this, he really walks that line between drama and then being true to something and then comedy. Yeah. And yeah. it showed in, in this performance. Yeah, I think especially like the way he he that dinner scene like between the two of them and like everyone's just kind of like captivated by what he's saying. It shows you why yeah. people, you know, why Frederick Douglass is Frederick Douglass, like why he's regarded this way, because he's yep. so such a compelling person and, and, and when and when David Diggs does have to do that you know, when the moment comes, he, he really, I think, lands it. Yeah. To, to show you this, this kind of magnificent figure. Cause like, you know, Frederick Douglass at the time was, you know, there's a lot of people who like, they only become famous like later in life and things like that. But Frederick Douglass at the time was like a superstar. He was super, super famous. He mm. was one of the most photographed people in the country. And, you know, it, and there's not a lot of photographs going around because it's it's an early technology. Yeah. So he 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 is this very kind of famous figure at this time, um, in a way that I think maybe maybe not everyone maybe maybe people assume that he like oh people learn about him later or something like that. But he he was he was very John Brown too. John Brown was very very famous uh, at the time, um, which is interesting. totes <laughs> <laughs> it's not what i expected to come out of you <laughs> totes. Totes. We, it, i mean there's a there could be an argument that we're all high doing yeah. Podcast, right? <laughs> yeah 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 for an sure argument for that that we are all high. i'm not just saying Nor am uh, maybe I. you guys are i don't know no but, i'm not no all right well there you go but maybe we're lying <laughs> who can say <laughs> yeah right um we got to talk about onion and frederick Douglass and the study right uh oh yeah so at some point onion is left alone briefly in the study with the alcohol as you mentioned he's developed mm-hmm. a bit of a, a taste Habit, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. for booze um and so he starts to drink and then frederick Douglass comes in and then uh, turns it into this whole thing about how he needs to be educated about, you know, uh, about like 
everything Frederick Douglass has done for black people and like all that kind of right, thing. Right, and, right. And which is a smart play because he knows he's he's been there long enough that he knows that Frederick Douglass wants to like his his ego make compels him to want to you know be I don't know teach I mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. to teach this young this young person um, so that you could see so that he could like impress upon him how important he is. Or right. her, to Frederick Douglass, he thinks Onion is a girl. Right. But, um, and that's, oh, that's another thing that was in that interview with Debbie Diggs is he was talking about Frederick Douglass's ego and how, you know, throughout the show, we see that like white people can cons- pretty consistently believe that Onion's a girl, but black people don't. And, um, yeah. And Frederick Douglass, though, doesn't even think about it. And David Diggs credits this to, um, you know, how self-obsessed, how self-absorbed he is. That Like, he just wasn't even, like, registering that Onion wasn't a girl. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I I couldn't tell. I There might have been a moment, though, where I thought he figured it out. And then mm-hmm. I realized, oh, no, that's not what's happening. But the other guy who, yeah, who catches Onion... Right. Yeah, I was like, uh, I couldn't tell if he had figured it out or he was sort of making a comment on uh, on who Onion was as a person. But um, and that's happened a couple of times in the <clears throat> in the in the second episode when he's at the pen, mm-hmm. and one of the slaves grabs him. I don't know. There were a couple of things where I'm, a couple of times where, I, and I guess it's, uh, yeah, most of the black people can t- like just figure it out. But I've I've gone back and forth on some of the characters. Like, does this does this person know or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they they close to the truth or or not? I you know I don't know. But but um, yeah, it is very interesting that Frederick Douglass just doesn't think about it. But it's clearly. Well, I don't know though because Frederick Douglass is is kind of hitting on Onion. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. So I think I think Frederick Douglass is just like I I just see a uh, a young woman in front of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all that matters, you know, like that 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 is where it got weird for me and I don't know why. I I think that was almost too goofy. Mhm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because that's when you get the revolving door of wives. So the one comes in and yeah. and she's like, oh, you know, send John Brown away. Don't help him come up to my bed tonight. And then she leaves. Mm-hmm. And then the other wife comes in and she's like, oh, we love John Brown. Help him come up to my bed tonight. And then she leaves. And then he's left there alone with Onion again. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt and for a lot of reasons, I think I was just like, Ugh. I mean, for one thing, Onion is supposed to be like 13 yeah 12 mm-hmm. or 13 yeah so gross. already that's weird even though in that at that time i think that's what people did anyway um but it's still weird to still watch bad yeah yeah um <clears throat> and then and then i don't know seeing this whole man's life suddenly <laughs> just sort of erode like you've got not one but two wives or you know whatever they are to him and then now this girl quote unquote has walked into his home and he's like here we go and also they're just getting drunker and drunker and he's becoming more and more sad <laughs> it's like 
Oh, get him out. Get get this kid out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then this is when uh, Frederick Douglass asks for more information about Ethan Hawke's army. And uh, Onion says, there's maybe 10 men. And oh, then, right. And then he says, I mean, maybe 15. Like, that's, you know, going to make a, a difference. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was uh, that's when I was on Frederick Douglass's side. I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not an army. That's that's some buddies. Yeah, but mostly just children of John Brown. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, the hubris of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but yeah. So Onion does try to leave because Frederick Douglass. He shows he had shown them earlier, like a an yeah. escape that connected to the Underground Railroad that would take them yeah. to Canada. Um, and that's part of like the kind of underbelly of this city that they're in is that they that Frederick Douglass knows that even you know even up here way up in the north they're not they're not safe they have to have mm-hmm. yeah precautions and that's why like when he first sees John Brown he's like you, you we can't be seen together like you have to be you have to be careful mm-hmm. and John Brown kind of doesn't doesn't register that and and Frederick Douglass is very aware of like the sort of dynamics at play in this in the city. Yeah, he's clearly lived in this city a long time. Like he knows the way it works, mm-hmm. and he plays the game very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But so Onion tries to starts to leave, and then Emperor, who lives with Frederick Douglass, um, he uh, stops him and talks to him, and. Um, and um, one thing I really liked about this scene, it's, this is a technique that we see throughout, is that it cuts, we, I, I, I don't even know how to what to call this, but something is happening. We're seeing a scene play out, and then it cuts to a shot of a person who's just standing, oh, yeah. and the camera's pointed at them, kind of like they're standing to get their portrait taken. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then it cuts back. And I, I really like this technique. I don't know what to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. saw, yeah, I, I, I like it too. It feels sort of spikely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I like it too. And I, I need to go back and watch some of it because I don't know what it's trying to say. The only, and I guess just because I'm watching the show, it, I'm, you know, sort of watching the show as we all watch shows now where we're getting through it because we're binging a lot of it. <laughs> and so I like, but it's a, it's something I noticed and that I I really like, um, but I I haven't seen it enough or or uh, seen it consistently enough to to register. Oh, this is what is being said. This is what's or right, at right. Least I haven't paid attention as I should. You know, maybe I should have paid more attention or something, or maybe I missed something. But I do like that because it just there's something thing about um it just is humanity bouncing off the screen mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to see a shot of someone's face staring right at you it just is if it, it says this is who i am just mm-hmm. warts and all yeah and and uh i i really like that yeah yeah 
And it also, to me, connects to um, there are some really gorgeous, like for promotional use, they have like these um, really gorgeous, like old photos, old looking photos of the cast Mm. um, that like they use like an old camera and some old film or something to to get these photos. And it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the the kind of the the way that the people look in these shots, you know, the Mm. way that they're standing is like the way that you would have stood for an old timey. Fo- right you know, you'd have to be there for like yeah you'd stand there for a long so time or whatever <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah that's right oh god yeah so it makes yeah. me think of that too but um yeah i think as the show goes on they do use this technique more and more i think in the finale it really they use it a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah my, my i don't, I remember, don't really remember though <clears throat> yeah i'm excited I to like get to it, it. <laughs> yeah Wait, you haven't watched it yet? I we, thought you no, we have. have. Yeah. We have. We just, just watched it when it aired. Oh, get to so it on been, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but Onion decides not to leave, and uh, then the next morning comes, and Amazing Grace is playing, and then Ethan Hawke touches a cross that's propped up on a stained glass window, and I was like, "That's this show. That's what this show is doing." <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, so Onion stays with uh, John Brown, and they they leave together in a carriage. Yeah, to carry on. Uh, that's a very haunting look back that he gives Emperor. That's his name, Emperor. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Um, I you know again, this is something I need to go back and watch again. That that speech, or that speech, that sort of exchange between the two of them, mm-hmm. because there's a lot there. And um, and it's not over when Onion decides. Oh, I'm gonna. All right, I'm good. I just. I'll guess I'll stay with John Brown. It's it's still happening. It's still playing out as the carriage is pulling away, and Onion is looking back at at Emperor, and they're just sharing this look with each other. And it, it's yeah, it's sort yeah. of a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And of and it's so interesting that John Brown is oblivious. You know, Ethan Hawke's Ethan Hawke is just sort of he's yeah he's kind of oblivious to it all and to what's what almost happened, what's ha- you know what's happening in that moment, and uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ethan Hawke, did we have any most Ethan Hawke lines of the episode? Oh my. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I got. We're on time. a we're on a journey to find the truest essence of Hawkness, and so I feel right. like part of this is you know, like grabbing the quote from the movie or episode or whatever that just feels like quintessentially Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um, I had. Uh, there's okay. So on the train, kind of at the beginning when he's on the train with Onion, um, mm-hmm. he's he's talking about his like backstory. Um, you know, and how he has this farmland and all that stuff. And uh, he says, you know what I have in my pockets? Grief. That's my wealth. And I was like, Oh, God. Right, because Onion asks if if he's rich. Yeah, because his first wife had (laughs) been killed or died or something. I remember exactly where I was standing when he (laughs) said that line. That's so weird. Only because it's the I missed that line. The, the grief that's my what is it that's my uh, wealth grief that's my wealth yeah i was i think i was having dinner while i was watching this and or, or lunch or something and i got up to throw something in the trash 
or put my dish in the kitchen. And I remember walking away when Onion's like, you have your, I was standing right by the garbage can. I was putting something in the trash. She's like, you have your own farm. What are you rich or something? And I was, and that struck me as like, oh, I guess he would be rich to have his own farm back then. I don't, I don't know. And I didn't, I didn't really catch the line. Like I heard him say it, but I didn't, it didn't really register. Mm-hmm. That is, that feels like a very Ethan Hawke line. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I also liked it at the very beginning where he does his real John Brown voice. This isn't mm-hmm. the most Ethan Hawke line, but this is just one of the more John Brown lines. And he says, I hereby offer $2.50 for the head of President Buchanan. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. I just Jeez. love to see Ethan Hawke spit. <laughs> I, that kind of, yeah, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Although, I think I'm the only one. It, when he's doing it, I'm like, I get you're into it, but I, can't. yeah, I couldn't even watch. It's easier to watch Ethan Hawke do it because he's such a grisly, mangy person in this. Mm-hmm. But if you've watched Hamilton on TV and you see those close-ups of Jonathan Groff spitting while he's singing, and the, oh, the yeah, king yeah. is my—he's my favorite in in Hamilton. And him spitting during that performance, I'm like, please, please no, please no. <laughs> so, but but. Ethan Hawke spitting in this, I'm like, I, it works. I get it. it's just oh, because he does it in the first episode, right? Does is what that when he's really he's doing this? He's up close on somebody and he's or he or he's like spit preaching almost. Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that yeah, the yeah. First episode, yeah. That's it's much the the him uh, asking for the head of President Buchanan. I that was also a moment I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? What are you standing on the edge of the? <laughs> That's just so weird. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Do you? Is he? What do you think of him in interviews? Ethan Hawke. Yes. I think that he is an artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I, I think that's his primary, um, like the way that he views himself. And I think yeah. that that's very important to him in every time he talks about anything. That answer <laughs> was so fantastically diplomatic. <laughs> I, there should be there should be an award on its way to you right now. Oh, we're trying so hard to get <laughs> him on the show. How well you did, the, did that. That was good. Well, look, he's, I mean, the guy delivers. He, he, he always brings it. I I just, he's such a heavy. Yeah. He's such a, he's such a heavy. And, um, I should probably be studying more of what, of his, of what he does, of his stuff. Because he's one of those actors that I'm like, oh, Ethan Hawke's in this. Okay. And you watch and, and yeah, did it again. You know, um, yeah, he's so consistent. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like I feel like I don't know. He's done so many different kinds of movies, and I think people kind of have this idea of him as being. I don't know. They probably like if they haven't heard of his like independent films, they have this idea of him as like this kind of like I don't know junky genre guy. Um, mm. I think some people do. I don't know, but it's just I. He's but he's always good. It doesn't matter like what 
movie yeah. he's in, he's he's always giving it like a hundred percent, like oh, over a hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, he's just he's so good. He's a great actor. Yeah. There is an argument. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. There's an argument for him being. Well, I don't know. It, there's, there, it's the performances are are they're they're both so great in Training Day, mm-hmm. and their performances are in such opposite directions. Um, Denzel's such a force in that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it, Ethan Hawke almost has to navigate a more difficult road as an actor in that movie because i really thought training day i didn't like training day when the first time i saw i I mean i thought it was fine but it wasn't Mm -hmm. the movie i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be a more nuanced look of the the line Mm -hmm. right at his character almost like there was a lawrence fishburne movie that came out uh, i think years earlier that dealt with the same subject about it oh i think it's called in too deep um about an undercover cop sort of crossing that line and you know and i thought it was going to be more like that and you know denzel is he's just the bad guy in this right um which i didn't love i think i like training day more the second or third time i watched it but but you know so denzel's character is so big and and he's still exciting to watch and fun to watch but yeah, I think Ethan Hawke really kind of has to navigate this this other road that Denzel doesn't in mm-hmm. the movie. And I mean, that scene with him. Okay, so the scene, the, the diner scene is just, you know, like, I, I think that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, where it's it's all. To me, he's way more subtle his performance is way more subtle than Denzel's in that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. I think Denzel. Yeah. And then in the, in the, um, the scene where he's with the, the gangsters and the, he gets, he gets trapped. Denzel leaves him in the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. With the guys playing cards. I mean, that's a whole thing. Like, yeah, he, he just, I don't know. He really, like you said, he always brings it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. What I do like about about Ethan Hawke's performance in that is that he usually he's rarely playing second fiddle to anyone, you know, in most of the movies. Yeah, yeah. He, but in Training Day, like it's such a you have to, uh, you know, Denzel's like a like a the son or something. There's 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 so much like to that to to his magnetism and performance that like. Like you said, he does have to walk the fine line of like he has to play off that as well as like and, and be a compelling character in of himself while also letting Denzel like be Denzel, you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's such a like there's just so many like there's just so much like good Denzel in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um and to and to and to let him let him do that is like a is like a is it balancing act like you said you know what it is it's it's i think denzel has to denzel's thing is he has to stop himself from being too big in that Mm -hmm. movie because that's the danger as an actor is just going full blown and over and and he does that he does a great job with being big but not being melodramatic 
and, right. and over the top. Even the King Kong speech and all that stuff, he still knows how to keep it from just blotting out the sun. Uh, but Ethan Hawke has the opposite, where he's got to not be completely outshine. He's got to make sure he stays in the, you know, uh, visible, but still kind of keeping it. He's in, you know, he's a, in, a little intimidated and he's, you know, his character is just sort of overshadowed by this very big personality. And so he's got to sort of be bright enough so that we can all see what he's doing, but also keep it very, very chill because he is being overshadowed the whole time by by Denzel mm-hmm. this movie, Denzel's character in the movie so and he does a great job of that yeah and I don't know I mean I don't know if you remember the people back when like a million years ago when we talked about training day like there was like a whole list of actors that were considered before Ethan Hawke mm, to play it and I don't yeah. know that any of them could have done it the way that he I and mean weren't they also considering like it Denzel wasn't the only yeah Denzel wasn't the either, only right? one too. it was like yeah. Samuel L. Jackson and Tobey Maguire was like one of them or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, sounds like, like a great like Matt comedy. Damon as well. Matt Damon was Matt in Damon, it. I did hear about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. It is hard to imagine like someone other than the two of them doing it. Like, and again, I think like Tobey Maguire and Matt Damon are also like both good actors, and I do think that they've done some roles that are like very exacting in the way that you would need to to do to play that character. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think there's something, there's some kind of magic in Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke in Training Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here, here's the thing. Ethan Hawke, if you take Denzel out of that, out of the equation, I believe Ethan Hawke is his own, is a badass in that movie. Mm-hmm. I believe he's mm-hmm. a cop who's been around for a little bit and he can handle himself and he's, he's kind of a badass. I don't. That for me is missing with Tobey Maguire and kind of with with Matt Damon. And as much as I, I'm a fan of Matt Damon as an actor, I you know I don't see that there. Whereas Ethan Hawke is sort of um, he's it's not that he's being taken down a few pegs, but he's like yeah I can handle myself. He's ready to step up, and then he's finding out I'm not going to be able to step up here. And that's <laughs> you know, so I I just feel like that's that is where that's what Ethan Hawke has that those other actors don't have. And Samuel L. Jackson with um, who I just said his name. Who was, who was it? I think Tobey um, Maguire. Tobey Maguire. Or Matt Damon, one of them. Samuel L. Jackson and Tobey Maguire sounds like a comedy. <laughs> that's, I mean, no shade on either of them. It just sounds, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, oh, I bet this is going to be hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I, someone also not pointed that out not that they're not brilliant the... dramatic actors, but it, they, you know, they're funny. Yeah. That Samuel Jackson, like he he's done enough kind of, uh, you you I think you believe like you see him on screen and you're like oh yeah he he is he is the bad guy. <laughs> Whereas like Denzel Washington is yeah. like you know he 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 so often plays these kind of like heroic roles that that it takes you it takes you a little longer I think to like for it to for his character to be revealed in in, yeah. in a yeah. way that I think. And also, like you know, Matt Damon, like he's like Jason Bourne, whereas yeah. mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke, like, isn't at this at, by this point, he's not really done like that many of these kinds of mm-hmm. no. So, so to see him like get beat up by Denzel near the end, you're like, you you believe it, you know what I mean? You believe that yeah. Denzel would like 
kick his ass, you know? <laughs> like, oh, it, yeah. you, you feel the kind of, like, that that he's... That he can... he That he... He's not... I don't know. It, it, you you believe the kind of, like, his he's out of his depth of it yeah. to, to me. But he's still standing up to those guys. He doesn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't shrink back. Like, when he's standing there with the... Um, with, with Dre and the uh, the other guy, you know, like he doesn't, he he's not, he doesn't sort of back away from it. Right, know? right, yeah. Jake mm. Hoyt, that's his name. Jake Hoyt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, he's played several cops named Jake <laughs> in our time with him. Wow. <laughs> um, Jonathan, maybe this is a good time. Do you have something you'd like to share with oh, us? Oh yeah. Oh, wow. I was so I was so invested in this training day conversation. I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's time for a hawk fact. Kevin, would you like to do a hawk noise? Right now? Yeah. Just let fly? Yeah. <clears throat> Hang on. Let me... <clears throat> <laughs> Wait, let me see. This is unrehearsed. Ha! Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Was that yeah. I should have came with... The, I should have put the C on it. Oh, that's more a crow. Yeah, see, I'm, yeah. I'm already just. Mm. No, yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't doubt yourself. The first one was great. I, sh- I know. It's. What are you gonna do? <laughs> so, once again, I'm asking for a little flexibility here. Okay. <laughs> with my wow. fact and its relevance to the show. Sure. Um, but I was looking into uh, white-tailed hawks. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they have a distinctive uh, white plumage, and if you've seen uh, some later photos of Frederick Douglass, he 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 has oh, the kind of distinctive streak of of white hair. Uh-huh. Sure, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and so that's that's as that's as close as we're gonna yeah, get. Yeah, no, I I get it. Um, but the the kind of interesting thing about them is they're not as they're not as migratory as a lot of hawks we've talked about. They're mostly in like grassland and areas throughout um, Mexico and Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing they do that's kind of uh, messed up, or I don't know, is that they converge at brush fires so what? that they can hunt things that are like that are burning to death yeah like they like the fire clears the area so that they can see like animals running and then they attack them oh, as they're wow. running away you know what that makes perfect sense yeah the the food is it, like you said it clears the area sometimes the food is cooked <laughs> like they're they know what they're doing they're, yeah that's their their olive garden <laughs> It's true. When you hear your family. Right? Yeah. Unless you're on the ground. <laughs> yeah. No. You're just food. Oh, and the other thing that uh white-tailed hawks do is they have uh they they build their own nests and they have a long stick that's part of the nest that doesn't there's no there's no um knowledge as to what the purpose it serves like it's just like a decoration of like a, a little decorative stick a decorative stick sticking out of their nests fascinating sure. yeah gotta class up the joint yeah uh, and that's, my uh, sweet stick <laughs> that's uh, all about birds.org nice all right well thank you for that fact Jonathan. <laughs> no problem i mean several facts yeah. honestly thank you wonderful 
Um, the decorative stick, that was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. Glad I was trying to it. think of something with HGTV, like Hawk and Garden Television, but it came to me too late, mm-hmm. and it was incomplete. So I, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Uh, okay, well, do we have any more thoughts about uh, Ethan Hawk or uh, the Good Lord Bird episode three? I mean, look, I think he should definitely do this podcast. That's oh, my thought. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> that's, that's that's really all it comes down to. Yeah, well, we got to get him in here. Yeah, for sure. Or, uh, you know, some players in the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe would be fun. I was listening today to your interview with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, oh, was, yeah. That was wonderful. That was a fun day. Yeah. What a cool, what a cool man. That cool. was, yeah, he's great. And um, that was, I, I'm trying to remember now what was going on that day. But that was probably sort of my later time in new york i feel like um yeah that was great that was a great day that's cool yeah i was you know but he he and ethan hawk are like best friends and they've done like six or seven movies together you know are they i he i do think of them as sort of in the same orbit but i can't think of what they've done together but yeah that makes sense to me what well, there was done? also, uh, w- which we mentioned earlier, uh, The Magnificent Seven, right? Yeah, The Magnificent Seven, um, mm. Velocity of Gary. Oh, yes, they did that together, yeah. yeah. Velocity of Gary. Oh, yeah, that's it's they, a they, yeah, they strange have, they have old a, movie. They have a few weird ones together. Yeah. The, uh, was it Brooklyn's Finest that they did, or was that the other? There was a few crime movies that they had. Well, he was in Sinister. He played like a, a mythology professor or yeah, something yeah, yeah. in okay. Sinister. And there was one of the crime ones where he... Kills Which, him in the first scene. Oh yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn's finest. Mm-hmm. That's Antoine Fuqua. Mm-hmm. If you want another Antoine Fuqua, movie is that to watch. the one with the script that famously the guy wrote who wrote it worked in a toll booth? And is Don Cheadle in this? Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be this. <laughs> I just remember this. This yeah, this story going around about this guy who worked in a toll booth. I think in New Jersey, and sold a script. And everyone's making a big deal about that. And it's like, well, you know, writers and actors and comedians, they all have day jobs. <laughs> <laughs> they all, of course, he worked in a toll, but it was so weird. It was like they made it to be, because I even bought into it like, wow, that's crazy, this toll, but wait a minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good for whoever sold that script. Because yeah. I, I remember it was a huge sale too, and it was just the story was everywhere. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he's got know. a bigger toll booth. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Who knows? Wasn't Richard Gere in that movie? Yeah. yeah. He was, there were a lot of big yep. people in that. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. A lot of people. Logan Marshall Green. <laughs> it, seriously? Yeah. The guy who looks like Tom Hardy? Yeah, the guy that looks like Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, no shade on mr green i really do like that guy i i i think he's he's a great actor um i it's it's a weird thing to be to look like another actor yeah (laughs) yeah but i i mean and he looks so much like like i think i thought he was in spider-man homecoming when that movie came out and i had to figure it out i was like no that's not that's not tom hardy but it wasn't until i think a month or two ago that I realized he was not in Prometheus. 
That, oh, that Tom Hardy was not in Prometheus. Oh, he was yeah. Marshall Green. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I was in an argument with somebody about this. Like, that's, <laughs> that's Tom Hardy. And he's like, it's not Tom Hardy, man. And I, oh, God. What a weird... For, why would Tom Hardy... <laughs> why would he generate twins? a clone like that? <laughs> well, why would he play twins in that movie where he... he uh-huh. they, when he just has when why didn't they just call logan marshall green <laughs> join us what are you doing join us on set right quick oh anyway i feel like i've never had that problem with him because i think he was in the 4400 uh jeez you if, are taking it logan marshall green i think so and i think that's why i've always known him because i loved that show when i was a kid like to me, me that was too. like that was a very important show um can't wait for the cw reboot that's happening i was about uh, to say you, you know about that <laughs> clearly you do you're uh, I'm, wow i'm really tapped in that's what uh, i've always loved mahershala ali because yeah. of the 4400 he was richard tyler uh <laughs> he to... you know he was in that he was in that show and then his i forgot the actress who played his wife i forgot what her name is sorry um, yeah i know but the character um, was lily but i can't remember li- <laughs> lily but i had a weird run in with the actress not a run in but just a strange run sort of encounter with the the actor who played the daughter oh because right they have the they have the daughter Mm -hmm. and then she grows up super fast yeah and i had when that when it came out you know i remember like being a wow who's she like having kind of a a a tv crush on that on Mm -hmm. the actress Anyway, you know, whatever, years later, I'm doing a show and she is, she's at the show. She's in the audience. And I don't know if she saw my set or not. I don't think she saw it. I think she came after because I was leaving to go um, move my car. (laughs) It was on, I was like, it was, I was parked on sunset. And so um, I finished my set and then I, I was like, let me just go move my car right quick. And as I'm leaving... Um, I see her come up the stairs with somebody and then I come back and I'm just standing by the bar minding my business and I see her and the person she's with and they're looking in my direction and she's kind of looking at me and then she leans over to the guy whispers something to him and then like he kind of looks up at me and then that and and that's it doesn't say anything to me they're like 10 feet away or something and I was like well, what the hell was th- and i knew who she was she didn't know who the hell i was but i was like well now that's weird but that was just really bizarre and then and that was the last i've ever seen uh well ever i never i didn't meet her then and i i have not met her since but um i you know obviously she's still working and running around doing stuff and but anyway that was a weird <laughs> encounter that i had to get off my chest on your podcast <laughs> i love you it needed, you needed that story i did yeah. um update i did quickly look it up logan marshall green was not in the 4400 he was he was trey in the oc and that's why i knew him okay that's a show i never watched oh Woodwreck. i think it's on <laughs> hbo max <laughs> there was a bit of uh there was a bit of uh, almost offense in your voice there oh <laughs> it just shocks Go. me whenever anyone says they haven't watched the oc and I, I, I have not seen it but i, I well it's something that we you know are but working picked, through we've been working through it hill, for eight years so, so. 
it's true yeah i did make him watch all of one tree hill yeah so. you could have picked the oc but i, I it's hard for me to imagine maybe yeah. one day anyway yeah well one day i think i have a i have a friend who was on that show <gasps> but um but it, it might be dawson's creek that i'm thinking of oh that's also exciting to me though <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember which i've not i've not watched either of them but yeah I'm going to, I'm now, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I am curious and I'm looking, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Okay. Oh yeah. It's Dawson's Creek. <clears throat> <laughs> cool. Never mind then. <laughs> well, this has been a fun look back at the television of the early 2000s. Uh, Guys, I'm the best guest. You are. This was a delight. I'm a mess. Um, I've been Harper. You can find me on the internet at Harping About on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd and TikTok if you want. What uh, was the third one you said? Letterboxd. I'm not going to ask any more questions. <gasps> it's just going to make me sound. Oh, no. Like you got to get on Letterboxd. It's so good. It's my favorite social media. It's it's you just log movies that you've seen. <laughs> it's oh, the best. Really? Yeah, it's it's truly the best. I'm obsessed yeah, with it. Yeah, pretty cool. And, and okay. you can't. There's no DMs. So it actually keeps everything like very, I don't know, like, and you can't, you know, it's not really about like how many follow. I mean, you can see how many followers people have, but it's just about mm -hmm. people sharing what they like about movies. Yeah. Okay. It's, Letterbox. It's just the nicest. It's a great okay. place. I'm yeah. going to check that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something I've been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke this week is... Uh, oh, uh, today on Good Christian Fun, they had Kirk Franklin on. That was incredible. Go listen to all Good right. Christian Fun. Yeah. That's nice. that's, uh, that's all I got. Uh, Jonathan, where can the people find you and what have you been enjoying? Oh, um, you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at John Zavaleta. Um, what have I been enjoying? What Have I watched anything? I don't know. I think just we, we just keep watching Taskmaster. Yeah, I can't, I can't keep saying that. I know. Well, I'm reading, uh, uh, I'm very slowly reading Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin, which is like a 200, most of his books are pretty short. Mm -hmm. It's like a 200 page book. And the I'm, font's very small though. He it showed is. it to me. It was oh, very small. It's very yeah. small. Yeah. Because yeah. so it was like, like printed in like pages. the, yeah. it was printed in like the, I don't know, 70s. I don't know. It was printed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. This mm. particular edition of it. When print was small. Yeah, when mm -hmm. print was small. I don't know. It's uh, something to that. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. Where can fun. the people find you and what have you been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can be found. I'm at Kevin Avery on Twitter, even though I should tweet more. I, I'm going to start tweeting more guys, I promise. Uh, but I mainly, I'm on, I'm fiddling around on Instagram most of the time. And that's Kevin Avery comedy. And um, what have I enjoyed outside of Ethan Hawke? I'm looking around my place <laughs> just to see. I bought a digital piano. Oh, oh that's cool. fun. Does that count? Yeah. I just bought a, a new digital piano. And <clears throat> I've had a, a keyboard for some time that I got as a gift from my brother years ago. And I've been saying I'm going to get a, a piano for a while. And so I I just got it. <laughs> just got it. And I I set it up the other night. 
and I have not played it at all. So <laughs> I'm just enjoying that I have it. Yeah. I just sort of look at it and like, there you are. I see. It's it's so clean. <laughs> it looks so good right now. I mean, I go and I, I play around on the, I just hit the keys now and then, mm-hmm. but now and then, but I haven't sat down and cracked the knuckles and, you know, played a whole piece Concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has not happened yet. So. Well, but that's, that's very cool. That's and I'm, I'm happy for you that you have this new electric piano. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um okay well thanks everyone for listening go i don't know do the things you're supposed to do if you like our podcast um all right good night